Chapters One and Two of the Turnpike House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Celine Major. The Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. Chapter One The Convicts Return. It stood where four roads met a square building of two stories with whitewashed walls and a high slate roof the fence and the one-strim garden had vanished with the turnpike gate and a jungle of gooseberry bushes interspersed with brambles shut off the house from the roads and only by courtesy could these be so called for time and neglect had almost obliterated them on all sides stretched a flat expanse of reaped fields bleak-looking and barren in the waning november twilight mists gathered thickly over ditch and hedge and stubbled furrow a constant dripping could be heard in the clumps of trees looming here and there in the fog through the kitchen garden jungle a narrow crooked path led up to the door where two rough stones ascended to a broken threshold indeed the whole house appeared ragged in its poverty many of the windows were stuffed up with rags walls cracked and askew exuded green slime moss interspersed with lichen filled in the crevices of the slates upon the roof a dog would scarcely have sought such a kennel yet a dim light in the left-hand window of the lower story shewed that this kennel was inhabited there sat within a woman and a child the outer decay but typified the poverty of the interior plaster had fallen from walls and ceiling and both were cracked in all directions no carpet covered the warped floor and the pinched fire in the rusty grate gave but scanty warmth to the small apartment a deal-table without a cloth two deal-chairs and a three-legged stool these formed the sole furniture on the blistered black mantel-shelf a few cups and saucers of thick delf ranged themselves and their gay pinks and blues were the only cheerful note in the prevailing misery the elder of these two outcasts sat by the bare table a tallow candle of the cheapest description stuck in a bottle shed a feeble light by which she sewed furiously at a flannel shirt stab click click stab she toiled in mad haste as though working for a wager intent on her labour she had no looks to spare for the ten-year-old boy who crouched by the fire not that he heeded her neglect for a brown toy horse took up all his attention and he was perfectly happy in managing what was to him an unruly steed from the likeness between these two the most casual observer would have pronounced them mother and son she had once been beautiful this slender woman with her fair hair and blue eyes but trouble and destitution had robbed her of a delicate loveliness which could have thriven only under congenial circumstances in those faded eyes now feverishly glittering there lurked an expression of dread telling of a mind ill at ease dainty garments would have well become her fairness but she was clothed rather than dressed in a black stuff gown without even a linen collar to relieve its lustreless aspect poverty had made her careless of her appearance heedless of the respect due to herself and her sole aim apparently was the speedy completion of the shirt at which she incessantly wrought the boy was a small copy of his mother with the same fair hair and blue eyes but his face had more colour his figure was more rounded and he was clothed with a care which shewed the forethought and the love of a mother even in the direst poverty after some twenty minutes of silence broken only by the clicking of the needle and the low chatter of the child signs of exhaustion began to show themselves in the worker 
before long big hot tears fell on the grey flannel and she opened her mouth with an hysterical gasp slowly and more slowly did the seamstress ply her needle until at last with a strangled sob she flung back her head oh heavens was her moan and it seemed to be wrung from the very depths of her suffering heart the child with a nervous cry looked up trembling violently what is it mother is father coming no thank heaven said the mother fiercely do you want him so white did the boy's face become that his eyes shewed black as pitch balls the question seemed to strike him like a blow and he hurled himself forward to bury his head in the woman's lap don't don't let him come he sobbed with unrestrained passion why do you speak of him then cried the mother angrily just as she might have addressed a person of her own age never mention your father gilbert he has gone out of your life out of mine he is dead to you and to me i am glad sobbed the boy shaking with nervous excitement are you sure quite sure mother he will never come back again who is sure of anything muttered the woman gloomily he is out of prison now at any time he may track us down but he shall not get you my boy and she strained the child to her breast i would kill him first i would kill him too kill him too panted gilbert brokenly oh mother mother i hate him i hate him and he burst into tears hush hush my baby soothed the mother never think of him he will not get you no no but the boy continued to sob convulsively and it required all her arts to pacify him she knew from experience what the end of this outbreak would be if it continued beyond a point the lad was precocious and neurotic quite undisciplined taking colour from his surroundings tone from the atmosphere in which he chanced to be and as the fit took him could be angel or demon but in ten minutes the mother had succeeded in soothing him sufficiently to send him back to his play then she recommenced her work and as the needle flew through the coarse stuff she thought of her husband the brute the hound so ran her thoughts it is his work if gilbert should see him again he would die or go mad or fall into one of his trances in any case he would be lost to me ah she broke out aloud pushing the hair from her lined forehead how long will it last there was no answer to the despairing question and she went on sewing listening the while to the prattle of her lad stand still brownie the child was saying you aren't galloping over the big green of bedford park do you remember your nice stable by there brownie and the pretty rooms i don't like this house any more than you do mother was happy in our pretty cottage so was i so was my brownie mother will never be happy again murmured the woman savagely stabbing the flannel as though she were stabbing the man of whom she was thinking ruin and disaster disaster and ruin why are such men created gilbert took no notice do you remember the red houses brownie and the railway i took you there often for a trot it was just three years ago trot now ay just three years cried the woman years of agony pain shame and disgrace why doesn't he die and she bit off the end of a thread viciously mother said the boy unexpectedly i'm hungry give me something to eat 
the woman opened a cupboard and brought out a small loaf a bundle of victuals and a tiny packet of tea precious as gold to her poverty in silence she boiled the kettle and brewed a cup in silence she set the food before the hungry child but when he began to eat her feelings proved too much for her she burst into fierce words eat the bread of charity gilbert she said in a loud hard voice and still speaking as though to a person of her own age the loaf only is paid for by our own money i got the bones and the meat from miss cass at the hall she took me for a beggar in spite of the work i have done for her and she is right i am a beggar so are you and your father there there don't look so scared we will not speak of him then the boy did a strange thing with a sudden pounce he seized a sharp-pointed buck-handled knife used for cutting the bread and raising it in the air looked at his mother with fierce eyes if my father takes me away from you he said shrilly i'll stick this into him i will mother with an ejaculation of terror she snatched the knife out of his small hands clenched now so wickedly heaven forgive me she thought laying it down on the table my hatred comes out in him i may lead him into danger heaven keep his father out of his way i should see a doctor she glanced round the room and laughed bitterly oh heavens she broke out aloud see a doctor i can't pay and ask him in this hovel charity no no i'll earn my bread if i die in the earning and she fell as fiercely as before to her sewing gilbert now himself again ate slowly and with much enjoyment at intervals he fed the horse which he had brought to the table with him his mother watched him pondering over his late outburst so terribly suggestive of the latent instincts in the child she knew well the reason of it though she would not acknowledge so much even to herself her husband had treated her brutally and the high-spirited creature had resented his behaviour with passionate hatred she had taught her child to detest his father it was a wild night the wind beat against the crazy building till it creaked in all its loosened joints still the woman went on sewing and the boy continued to eat a miserable silence settled down upon them suddenly the mother raised her hand and the child stopped eating with an expression of terror on his white face the woman listened wild-eyed not in vain from some distance came the sound of a dragging footstep there was a drag a halt and then again a drag as though some wounded animal were writhing its way to a place of safety the outcast knew the sound of that halting gait only too well so did the boy it's father he cried shrilly a look of mingled terror repulsion hatred took possession of his white face hush said the woman imperatively and left the room for a moment gilbert sat quietly listening then his small hand slipped along the table to grasp the buck-handled knife trembling with excitement he watched the door he could hear without his mother's taunting voice come in mark jenner i know you are standing there in the darkness enter and see the state to which your wickedness has reduced your wife and child come in you lying scoundrel you brute you thief in answer to this invitation came a growl as of an angry animal then the footsteps dragged themselves nearer and halted at the door there ensued the sound of taunts and curses 
and almost immediately after this exchange of courtesies between husband and wife who had been parted for three years the door opened to admit a thick-set man whose face in spite of its cunning was not devoid of refinement he was in rags and soaking with the wet gilbert stared at this half-forgotten father who had been so long a stranger then the fierce inherited hatred woke suddenly within him in deadly silence he launched himself forward knife in hand and struck at his father though taken by surprise the man had about him some of the swiftness of the wild beast which is always prepared for danger and he warded off the blow with one hand but the keen blade had cut him across the knuckles and as the blood spurted he uttered an oath of terror and of pain for a moment he made as if to fling himself on his small assailant then he paused with a look of fear for the child passing suddenly from motion to stillness stood apparently in a cataleptic trance with rigid limbs and eyes widely staring his mother swept down on him with a swoop of a striking falcon and had him in her arms before her husband could recover himself you have seen him like this before she said so you know he will remain in the trance for some time i will take him to bed it is you who have put him up to this cried the man in a shaking voice mrs jenner laughed heaven put him up to it she said hysterically this hatred of you dates too far back you had better ask a doctor to explain i cannot but i know what i know wait till i have put him to bed then i will come back to hear how you have hunted me down and why i thought i was free from jail-birds she finished bitterly and passed out of the room and up the stairs mr jenner gave a savage ejaculation then he shuffled forward to the fire warmed himself and proceeded to attack the food in an incredibly short space of time there was not a crumb left on the table and he was still hungry if only i had a smoke he growled squeezing his hands together but i have nothing not even a welcome ah well there are those who will pay for this he took a well-worn pocket-book out of his breast pocket my fortune lies in here but it is not safe while he is about the reflection seemed to make him uneasy and he glanced round the poor room looking for a place where he might hide his treasure his eyes fell on the brown horse and he chuckled she'll always keep that for gilbert he said and it's not likely to be lost i'll put it in there having assured himself that his wife was upstairs he proceeded to carry out his plan the toy was made of rags painted and moulded to the shape of a horse so he made an incision in the belly and thrusting in his finger formed a hole then with a hasty glance round he opened the red pocket-book and produced therefrom a bill of exchange which he folded up into a compass as small as possible this he thrust into the hole pulled the interior stuffing over it and using his wife's needle sewed up the hole with considerable despatch and dexterity a few white threads were still sufficiently noticeable to arouse suspicion so he rubbed his hand on the sooty grate and blackened the rent so neatly was all this done that no one would have guessed that the toy had been opened jenner laughed and tossed the horse on to the table where the child had left it <laughs> that's all right he said she'll never part with anything belonging to the boy he looked over to the table to see if any food remained finding none he swore a little and sat down by the fire upon which he had heaped all the fuel he could find there he brooded chin in hand thinking of his past dreading the days to come chapter two the still form in the house
in a quarter of an hour mrs jenner returned she looked at the empty table at the heaped-up fuel in the grate and finally her gaze of loathing and of scorn fell upon the figure by the fire still the same selfish brute she said resuming her seat and her work my child and i are almost starving almost without a fire yet you devour our small portion and burn our sticks and why not what do our pains matter to you so long as you are comfortable i have had more discomfort than you grumbled her husband avoiding her contemptuous eyes had you been in prison i would never have come near those whom i had disgraced she finished swiftly and went on with her stitching the culprit writhed lizzie he said do not be too hard on me i have sinned but i have been punished you might forgive me now never said the wife curtly and the expression of her eyes told him that she fully meant what she said how hard women can be women remarked mrs jenner shifting the work on her knee are what men make them you behave to me like the brute that you are you cannot blame me then if i treat you according to your nature i live for our child to make amends for what you have done therefore i have an object in life had i not i would gladly die and i would gain death a shameful death by killing you the terrible intensity of her gaze made the guilty wretch shiver i will make it up to you he said feebly not you you will go on just the same that is if i will let you and that i don't intend to do i shall have money soon plenty of money what are you going to steal again i want none of your ill-gotten gains this house is poor but it is honest i earn the food for my child and i eat or i beg it but stealing no i leave that to you why have you come here i thought we might come together again and live a new life mrs jenner threw aside her work and sprang up i would rather die she said in a voice of intense hatred you treated me like a dog you struck me you starved me you were unfaithful to me i would rather die it was the drink jenner pleaded i was all right when i was sober and were you ever sober demanded the woman bitterly not you in spite of all my care you lay in the mire and wallowed like the pig you are this is a nice welcome grumbled the man beginning to lose his temper what did you expect tears and kisses and the killing of the fatted calf no my man i have been a fool too long i am no fool now you have hunted me down how i know not but you don't stay here you go and this time you go for ever my rights as a husband and a father a criminal has no rights interrupted his wife think of the past she went on in a loud hard voice think of it and then wonder at your audacity in coming here to face me me whom you have ruined i don't want to think of the past and i won't leave it alone it's dead and done with yes but the consequences remain look at this house your work see my withered looks your work think of the child and his mysterious illness your work you forget all that you have done i do not and i intend to refresh your memory jenner turned sullen 
there was no chance of escaping from this save by going out again into the storm and he was much too comfortable where he was so of the two evils he chose the lesser and even in this his selfish regard for his own comfort shewed itself go on then he growled sullenly the woman returned to her seat and averting her eyes she began to speak in a low monotonous voice rising ever and growing more excited as she went through the story of shame and sorrow let me begin at the beginning when i was governess to mr cass's little girl then i was happy and respected i was pretty too and admired mr cass was a merchant in the city trading in spanish wines what's the use of telling me all this broke in jenner impatiently it is all state i was a clerk in cass's office i met you at his house when i was there on business and i married you yes you married me she cried fiercely the more fool i for being taken by your good looks and your plausible tongue for my sake it was that mr cass raised you to a higher position and gave you a larger salary we lived in bloomsbury and there ten years ago gilbert was born but not until you had broken my heart and ruined my life come now i was kind to you when i was sober and were you ever sober no you poor weak fool because you had a good voice and musical talents you were led away by pleasure and for months before gilbert was born you behaved towards me in a way no woman could forgive i was high-spirited and i resented your conduct your dissipation and your unfaithfulness you were always on your high horse if that is what you mean i had every reason to be on my high horse you brute remember the birth of gilbert how i suffered how you were drunk the whole time and when i got better i found that mr cass had dismissed you for appropriating money jenner sneered cass made a great fuss about nothing you know as well as i do what mr cass is his mother was spanish and she had a fiery temper he had treated you well and you repaid him by taking what belonged to him he dismissed you but for my sake because i had been his child's governess he did not prosecute you ah i always thought you and mr cass were great friends that was your own foul mind cried the woman contemptuously mr cass was an honourable man if it had been his partner marshall now then perhaps yes i know all about marshall thank you lizzie he said chuckling and his eyes wandered to the brown horse on the table thinking of your association with him i suppose she sneered he took you up simply on account of your voice and then dropped you when he found out what a drunkard you were yes he did said jenner between his teeth and i swore to be revenged on him and some day i will if you care to listen i'll tell i wish to hear nothing she interrupted mr marshall is not a man i admire a dissipated rake that's what he is still he is mr cass's partner and for the sake of mr cass i wish to hear nothing against him besides he is going to marry miss cass what inez cass the sister of my old master cried jenner looking up yes do you know of any reason why he should not no said the man slowly but i wish i had known that two hours ago why two hours oh you don't want to hear anything against marshall so i won't tell his wife glanced contemptuously at him i suppose you mean blackmail she said 
blackmail miss cass and mr marshall if you like and go back to jail if it pleases you i have done with you and your wickedness we'll see about that he cried don't interrupt me please his wife said with an imperative wave of her hand i want to go on with my story i don't want to hear any more but you shall hear to the end listen mr cass dismissed you for dishonesty and you took to the stage on the strength of your voice you know the life you led me i forgave you over and over again for the child's sake but it was all of no use then at last drink spoilt your voice and you could get no engagements and mr marshall although you did not deserve it got you a situation in that money-lender's office i forget the name the old julian roper yes julian roper you got the situation four years ago and for a time things went well then you broke out again and stole money from your new employer he was not so lenient as mr cass and he had you put in jail for three years well i'm out now you are said his wife and there was intense hatred in her voice out to see how i have sunk after your imprisonment your creditors sold up the house and furniture in bedford park i was turned out on the streets with my child mr cass got me a place as governess then it came out that i was the wife of a convict and i lost my situation i was driven from one engagement to another finally i came down here to ask charity from mr cass he would have done much for me but for his sister inez is one of your cold cruel women who kicked the fallen she blamed me for being your wife and she set her brother against me all i could get was this tumble-down hovel where i live rent-free i earn my bread by sewing for the people in the village two miles on sometimes miss cass insults me by sending me broken victuals you have just eaten some and i am so poor that i accept the scraps such is my life but i would rather live it than go with you i don't want you to go with me said the man rising i want to make you happy by giving you money have you any and if so where did you get it i have none just yet but i soon shall have at the present moment i am the possessor of two coppers he produced them but in a week i shall have hundreds and then you will go to jail again said his wife no thank you i don't want to have anything to do with you i have suffered quite enough at your hands how could i live with you when the child hates you so that's all your fault not altogether as i said before his hatred of you is prenatal but i have fostered that hatred until well you saw how he received you to-night you are pitiless he said hoarsely i am what you have made me do you think i would allow my child to love you who have treated his mother so ill he will never look upon you save with loathing and hate i would die for the boy it is the strongest passion of my nature this love for him do you think i would share that love with you no gilbert hates you he always will and as i said before i have done my utmost to foster his hate oh i thought i was safe from you here who told you of my hiding-place marshall said jenner sulkily ah you have seen him and did he speak to you a jailbird yes he did i made him speak to me his wife looked curiously at him and significantly it is as i thought 
she said you know something about him and you have come down to blackmail him or miss cass well go and do it and get back into jail if you can i should be glad to see you in prison again as it is out you go now i have no money no shelter i will give you five shillings she said with that you can go to the village inn it is only two miles away jenner took out his red pocket-book and laid it on the table near the window i have a pencil and paper in this he said what you lend me i will give you an i o u for i don't want your money i decline said his wife turning from the open window out of which she had been leaning once the money passes into your hands it becomes too vile for me to touch again wait here and i will get you the five shillings he sprang forward almost beside himself and seized her wrist you wretch i'll give you a thrashing for this mrs jenner shook off his hand moved to the fireplace and snatched up the poker you lay a finger on me and i'll kill you she cried wildly you foul beast your very touch is poison i am not the woman i was to put up with your brutality stand back you jailbird he backed towards the open window and began to whimper don't be such a virago he said i don't want to touch you if you will give me the money i will go away but you have lost the chance of a fortune he boasted shaking the red pocket-book i can get hundreds hundreds in the usual way she said and laid down the poker then you will be locked up again i hope you will can i not take leave of the child no unless you want him to try and kill you again besides he is in a trance he will waken as suddenly as he fell into it but i hope for your sake that you will be out of the house before he recovers his senses do you think i don't think i know all his life gilbert will hate you he is highly neurotic and when he gets beside himself he will do things as mad as would an hysterical woman he is not to be trusted no more am i so beware of us both and place the sea between yourself and us a very good idea he said coolly i'll emigrate do go to sydney which was formerly botany bay that ought to suit you she taunted stop there she snatched up the poker again or i will not answer for myself her husband laid down the buck-handled knife and placed it on the table beside the pocket-book he had taken it up with an oath when his wife goaded him with her tongue get the five shillings he said sulkily it is upstairs still carrying the poker mrs jenner moved towards the inner door i can tell you so much for you will never find my hiding-place wait here when she had gone her husband remained by the table with his hand on the red pocket-book his eyes sought the brown horse i must take you with me too he muttered i shall never see her or the child again it is better so i hope she won't be long and he waited in sulky silence suddenly there was the cry of a human being in pain the light was extinguished and the mist closed thicker round the ruined building it might be to hide the sight within the room could the walls only have spoken they would have shouted murder with most miraculous voice but the age of miracles being past the walls were dumb and there was no clamour to greet the horror of this deed done in darkness
but the mists wrapped themselves round the place of death and a profound silence shut down on the desolate country it was broken at last by the sound of light footsteps along the disused road a woman carrying a child in her arms tore along at a furious rate she did not know where she was going she had no goal all that she desired was to get away from the thing which lay in the darkness of that poor room horror was behind her danger before and she ran on on through the mists and the gloom pursued by the furies like hounds on the track they drove her along the lonely roads until the mists swallowed her up and these growing ever more dense blotted out the woman blotted out the country blotted out the turnpike house but what they could not blot out was that silent room where a dead man lay better had they done so better had they obliterated that evidence of evil from the face of the earth but what had been done in the darkness had yet to be shewn in the light and then but the woman fled on wearied feet fled ever fled through the gloom and the friendly mist covered her escape and so did the ruined turnpike house become possessed of its legend for many a long year the horror of it was discussed beside winter fires the place was haunted and the ghost had walked first upon that very night when the woman bearing her child had fled away into the darkness End of chapters one and two